talk about faithfulness today and uh, I think I tell you almost every week that I I come to church in a place where um, I can't help but lead from what God's doing in, in my in my life in my heart and so faithfulness has been something that I've needed all week the last couple of weeks and um, we just happen to be talking about that today and so I, I love that the ability that we have to sing about faithfulness and I also I really appreciate some of the conversations I had last night in one of our services and it said um, some of the people had said they don't know how they would have made it through the Thanksgiving season if they didn't have their faith and, and, and they didn't have the faithfulness of God with them and so I just want to remind you that faithfulness of the Lord is so thick here and it's with you and there's a God who loves you and so whatever that looks like might be the, the hardest thing in your life to get you to whatever's great, whatever's the next thing. But I just want you to know that the faithfulness of the Lord is is something that has been so significant in my life. And, and I know that um, it can be in yours as well. And so uh, let's seek the Lord and, and believe in his faithfulness.
Savior, you have brought me near. You pulled me from the ashes, you broken every curse. Blessed Redeemer, you have set this captive free. Lord, I can't help but sing
eyes If grace is an ocean We're all sinking So heaven meets earth Like a sloppy wet kiss And my heart turns violently Inside of my chest God loves you. Amen. Would you take a moment and welcome everyone around you. Welcome to Crossroads. We're glad you're here this Thanksgiving weekend. seated as we continue today as we continue just a just a few announcements we're so glad that you're here today uh, I hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving weekend here at, uh, at Crossroads Wednesday night we had an incredible service here just on a night of worship and praise to the Lord and uh, this altar was filled with the praise and thanksgiving of the people it, it was just a beautiful time um, and so I want to thank you for, for all that you're doing as a church and just what God is doing in our church. One of the things that we did on Wednesday evening was we had our deacon affirmation. This is our deacon selection process here at the church. And so uh, there, there is a ballot out, if you want to call it a ballot. It's a deacon affirmation ballot out at the Welcome Center. Uh, you can stop and see Wade Baker. He'll give this to you. Uh, we, we handed these out on Wednesday evening. If you're a member, you can participate in this as well. Members 16 and over, we asked them to, uh, to say yes or no to each one of the deacons. And I'm going to share with you if our, our deacons. You know, we, one of our deacons is moving, Dan Hayden. And so Dan Hayden shared his testimony on Wednesday evening. It was a powerful evening. And uh, he was just sharing how that for the past 13 years, this church has been his life. And I was just thanking God for that because he's been one of our right-hand men around this place where we can rely on and uh, as he is moving to Tennessee for his job in January so uh, it opened up some opportunities for other guys to get involved so I'm just going to read to you the list of deacons and you can please grab one of these affirmation ballots in the foyer fill it out put uh, mark yes or no to each man 
and then uh, fold it in half and put it in the offering box on the wall. There's one in the foyer and one in the auditorium, and we will get that to the proper place. But I just want you to rejoice with me of these men that have stepped up to serve as deacons. Phil Allen, Wade Baker, Bill Best, Dan McNeese, Roger Metcalf, Mark Slegel, and Al Zabritsky. Can we thank God for these men who have stepped up to serve our church in this capacity? It's wonderful. So uh, if you'd like to be a part of that process, please grab them. They're out there in the foyer. Uh, Christmas is upon us. Next week, we start a new series entitled The Thrill of Hope. We're going to be talking all about, uh, you know, as a child, you waited for Christmas and you couldn't wait for Christmas to come. You kept asking, is Christmas here? Is it here yet? I can't wait for Christmas. We're going to be talking about the thrill of Christmas, the thrill of hope. Christmas is all about hope. And so as, as we go through this, uh, this next month, that will start on next Sunday, which is the 1st of December, and run the entire month of December. I want to encourage you to bring a friend. You know, many people in our church are here because somebody invited them. And they just came to one of our services. I, I met a few people after the first service. They were sharing with me that, hey, th- uh, their, their family started to come. And then a few weeks ago, they invited some of their other family for the Veterans Day. And they've been coming ever since. And, and so there's many people like that all over our church. That Your first opportunity was somebody said, hey, would you come? We have a lot of flyers. We put out promotional materials. But the number one way that people come to church is by you inviting your friends, your family to church. So I want to encourage you, take the whole month of December, the thrill of hope. It's a great opportunity. Saturday and Sunday, uh, we'll be starting that next weekend. And then another opportunity to bring a friend is our Christmas Dessert Theater. That is coming up here. That is December 6, 7, and 8. That is two weeks away. Hard to believe. And so... Uh, That is Thursday, Friday, and Saturday with a matinee on Saturday at 1 o'clock and then 7 o'clock on each one of those evenings. So I want to encourage you, go online and get your tickets or you can get some today in the foyer. If you go out out the door to the right, you'll see Alicia Peterson has a a little area there set up where she's able to help you get your ticket today. Uh, We'd love for you to be here and to bring a friend. So I, I want to encourage you, pray and ask, who can I invite? And when you do that, it's amazing. God will put somebody on your heart. Uh, I know somebody that's, uh, one guy here last night said he's got a whole row already. He's bought his tickets for all their family. They're only $6. They, they help, uh, help to cover the cost of the, of the dessert afterwards in the gym. So uh, I know Beth DePietro. Can we thank God for Beth DePietro organizing this event? We thank you, Beth. And... Uh, so I'm, I'm thankful for what she's doing, and uh, this has a very dear spot to my heart because I've seen so many people in our church begin their journey to church at Christmas time. They begin it during the dessert theater or one of our Sundays or Christmas Eve. And so I want to encourage you, please, let's support them. I know a bunch of them are staying and practicing all day today. Pray for them. They'll be here till 6. Even though the football game starts at 4, they're here till 6, all right? So be praying for them. And I know there's a lot of kids involved. Uh, it's called the, the best Christmas pageant ever. So, and uh, I, I just, I'm super excited. When we stand up here and our people, they share the gospel. It's going to be so powerful. And people have an opportunity to come to Christ. Just recently in our last Next Steps new members meeting, one of the people said, we were drawn to this church because we came last year to the dessert theater and we saw the people here were caring, loving, and all the energy that they put in to bring and invite people to Jesus. Can we thank God for that? I love our church. I love our church. And this morning, and then we have Christmas Eve, 2 o'clock, 4 o'clock, and 6 o'clock. Three opportunities on Christmas Eve here. So uh, just be praying. It's a great season ahead of us. We're thanking God for all that he has. And then if you look here in, inside of your bulletin, there's the birthday gift to Jesus. I love how that uh, we have a vision that is bigger than Finleyville. It's bigger than Pittsburgh. It's a global vision. And so if you look at the list there, there's uh, projects, $83,000 worth of projects on there. One of them, right about where the paper folds in half, you'll see Anthony and Jamie Vahela. Anthony and Jamie Vahela are missionaries. This is their picture on the screen. He, uh, they have five children, and they are just an incredible family. They are missionaries in the Czech Republic. And they, are, they, they were telling us how that they like to have it. They do an Easter egg hunt to try and get 
people's attention for, for God. They'll do Christmas events, but the, the fruit is slow going over there because it's, it's very cold. They're very non-open to the gospel of Jesus. You know, we have a, a great place here where we come. We, we tell people about Jesus and people respond. Well, in Czechoslovakia, it's not quite as easy of a field. So I'd like for you to pray for the, for the Vahalas this morning. And let's just ask God to meet their needs and, and all the needs of all the missionaries around the world. If you're giving to the birthday gift to Jesus offering, please mark it as such, birthday gift to Jesus. So far, our progress, we're up to about almost $20,000, $19,963. Can we thank God for that? That's, that, again, there's, there's just so many great things that God is doing here at Crossroads. So I want to ask you to pray about your part and, and give more to Jesus. Put him at the top of the list. Give more to Jesus than anybody else on your list this year. And I know that you'll be blessed for doing so. I'd like to ask our ushers to come forward. We'll receive our morning offering. If you're here as our guest, we say thank you. Welcome to Crossroads. Please stop by our welcome center. We'd like to give you a, a, a nice welcome gift just to say thank you for being here. And uh, if, you're, if you're our guest this morning, feel free to let the plate pass you by. This is for those that are growing in the grace of giving this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Our Father and our God, we come before you and we thank you for all that you're doing. God, we lift up the Vahalas to you this morning, Lord. They're they're in Czechoslovakia and the Czech Republic. They're ministering and they're, they're doing the work that you've called them to do. Thank you for Jamie. And, and Anthony to take their five children over there and raise their family and to do what you've called them to do to bring people into growing relationship with Jesus. God, we thank you this morning for all that's happening around this church. We lift up this entire church. I thank you for the generosity of your people at Crossroads, Lord. Thank you for the, they give of their time, they give of their talent, they give of their treasure, Lord. And I thank you and I ask that you will bless this offering, Lord, as we receive it this morning, and we give it to you, and we we use it for your honor and glory to encourage missionaries around this globe. In your name we pray. Amen. sense of unease in our rapidly changing world. We all know something has been lost, but we don't know why or where it all leads. Pop culture tells us it's all about me and that we should worship our own creations rather than the creator. In politics, the end justifies the means. In relationships, love means self-satisfaction. In life, status and appearance are what count. In the church, confusion replaces clarity and conviction. Our faulty and distorted view of God is at the root of all our problems. But what if we viewed God differently? What if we saw Him the way He longed for us to see Him? We can worship a God who is holy, wise, and just, one whose faithfulness and goodness are matched by His power and sovereignty over all things. This is a God who can deliver us from evil and transform lives. This is a God worth worshiping. The way back, the path of hope starts with knowing God for who He really is. We need to know the real God. Is everybody alive? Everybody good? A little bit? Come on. I don't know how uh, you can be uh, not, how you can be quiet after singing songs like we just sang. All your promises are yes and amen. The promises of God that we lean on day in and day out uh, are definitely a yes and an amen. I just want to take a second. I know we've, uh, some of you might not know, but we, we every weekend we stream our 11 a.m. Gathering, And so I just want to say we've got people uh, joining our Crossroads family this morning from Belvernon, Cannonsburg, Robinson, South Park, and even in the city. And so we're excited that you're joining us online. And if you want to access that, you can go to our website or our Facebook. We post it every weekend. But uh, the video team, I just have a special heart for them because they're the unsung heroes of making sure that the gospel gets out to people who can't make it. 
Uh, maybe people are at home or traveling, and so video team, you just know that I love you guys. You guys are doing a great job. Um, everybody's just serving in so many different ways in this church, and it's just humbling because sometimes you don't even see it. And so just want to make sure I give a special shout-out to that crew. Um, this morning, as we continue on, we wrap up our series, The Real God. I'm excited for a lot of reasons. But for one, it's a very dear uh, topic to my heart uh, because it really connects with how I view my family. And so maybe some of you, as we kind of jump in this morning, I want you to think about your family and think about those in your circle, your loved ones. You know, think about maybe just the pictures you have on your phone, in your wallet, you know, maybe on your mantle at home of just, you know, your family and how it's grown and how things have changed. Just consider those things as we, we jump in this morning. Uh, but as we, we wrap up the series, my prayer is that we recognize that God is faithful even when we're not. Amen. 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 Come on, people. Come on. Um, so I want to share a couple pictures of my family and be a little selfish. It's like, holy cow. Man, how did he find her? I don't know. God's faithfulness. I'll tell you that one. Um, she's sitting up there. I can see you. But uh, no, that was, uh, man, what an what a incredible day. That was in 2010. And, you know, I just love that there's a guy with a camcorder in the left. Man. Eight years, eight years this December 17th, uh, just love my wife and thankful for God just bringing her to me. And so that's kind of how our journey started off. And so then a year later, uh, we welcomed Wyatt, uh, my firstborn son, into our lives. And we got a picture of Wyatt on the screen. And so that's Wyatt, little cutie. And, uh, and so he just, he's a game changer. Kids are game changing, right? You're going this way and then you're going this way. And then the next one you go this way and then you go down and you know, you're all the way around. But uh, what, a, what an incredible blessing he has been and just a wild man. Uh, you know, just love you, Wyatt. And so God brought, after Wyatt, God brought us Jace. And so Jace is on the right and his little, his little smile and, you know, just, to, just love, love the boys. And then God wasn't done. He gave us one more boy. So Everett came into the picture. Yes, I did try that hair thing for a while and it didn't, it didn't really work. It's my job to be awkward so you feel better about yourselves. But anyway, so that is, you may recognize that backdrop. Okay, see? So I, thank you. Last hour, they're like, uh, okay. So that's good. So that was right over here a couple years ago on Christmas Eve. And so I was on staff at a different church and came straight here. My in-laws said, hey, come check out Crossroads. And so I came and, and, and jumped in the last 20 minutes or so when we even got our family picture. And uh, it's, a, it's a really bad marketing scheme for a church. But um, that is Everett I'm holding in my arms and three boys, lots of boys. And yes, every time we would go out, everybody would say, are those all yours? Yes, they are all ours. And, uh, you know, if we had a third boy, his name would have been done. But <clears throat> yes, so we're just so thankful for our boys. And, and, and then by the grace of God, people, he gave us a girl. And so here comes little Lana Jean. She can't really see her. She's tucked away in that little thing. Um, and so, um, I know they're all got names and I forget them and don't want to offend anybody. But, uh, so that's just, that's our family. And that is something that is so important. I love our family pictures for so many reasons. But one of the things that you don't see in these pictures is you don't see that after Wyatt, we actually lost a child. And so when we had Jace, it just, it just was a, such a special moment in our lives. And looking at that picture of Jace and just, and just knowing the pain that we had been through and knowing the hurt and even still, I mean, you still go through those things. You carry those things with us. We're humans. We take those things with us. And so I can't help but look at these pictures and I cannot imagine life without each and every one of these children that we have. And then, you know, with, with God giving us Everett after Jace, we're just like boys are everywhere and, you know, life you know, showed its insecurities and, and, and issues that we went through. And then at, when we had Lana, that was a huge thing for us because my mom was not able to hold her granddaughter. And that was a really big thing for me. And, and you know, just trying to wrestle through the emotions. And I know a lot of you, that's, you're, you know, you, you lost a parent recently in the last year. And some of you are still going through the pain and heartache of that. And just know that I, I understand. I get it. And so I just, I just know that, you know, that was a really powerful moment for me. And then the day that we found out Lana was born, shortly after, uh, Jesse lost her grandmother. And so just the things you don't see in these pictures, you don't see the heartache, you don't see the insecurities, you don't see the tough financial times, you don't see the great financial times, you don't see the messy relationships that brought you to the point where you are now. 
And you also don't see the, you know, don't necessarily see the beautiful resolutions. And so I cannot imagine my life without my family. It's like you just go, I just, I just can't. I can't picture Wyatt and Jace and Everett and Lana and, and Jesse. I cannot picture those people not in my lives. And my encouragement to you all this morning is that you will look at pictures or consider your own life and you can't picture not seeing the hand of God and God's faithfulness in your life. Because my hope and my prayer this morning is as we dig into more of God's faithfulness and we wrap up this series is that you can't help but look at your life and go, man, I can just see God's hand. Because he brought this beautiful hot mess all the way to here somehow in his grace. I don't understand it. I don't get it. And I'm wrestling through pain and here he's brought us to this point. And so just know that there's nothing but a picture of God's faithfulness when I look at my family. I'm not saying I go like, oh, I have this cheesy emotional moment, but I just, I'm trying to train myself and, and, and discipline myself to just recognize God's faithfulness when I see my own life. The beautiful struggles, the brokenness, the insecurities. And I, I think that when we look at our own lives, it's easy for us to question God's faithfulness. Not, you know, because our experiences shape our understanding of God. You know, if God does this for me, then you're faithful. If you prove yourself to me, then I'm going to trust you have a plan. If this happens in my life and I like it, I'll say you're good. Guys, these are normal human responses. These are normal human responses and we shouldn't feel bad about this because our human logic, you know, within our own ability to wrap our heads around God, which is hard, that's a slippery slope because our lives, our humanness is so finite and God is so infinite. And for us to try to attempt to wrap our heads around who God is, is, is hard. And so the only way we can attempt to understand is, is through his precious holy word. And so, you know, sometimes we even think, God, you are this way because of what you do. And if you don't do it, you're clearly not that. Because this didn't happen, God, you clearly aren't loving. And God is at the same time, loving, he is just, he is wise, he is good, he is sovereign, and he is faithful. You cannot remove one, isolate it. He is all those things all the time. And so if our concept of God is accurate, it changes everything. And if our, God, if our concept of God is inaccurate, it changes everything. And that's why we've been in this series, The Real God, is so that we can begin to understand more about who God is. This quote by A.W. Tozer is powerful. The man who comes to a right belief about God is relieved of 10,000 temporal problems, for he sees at once that these have to do with matters that at the most cannot concern him for very long. But even if the multiple burdens of time may be lifted from him, the one mighty single burden of eternity begins to press down upon him with a weight more crushing than all the woes of the world piled one upon another. And you're thinking, that's me. So what is faithful in your life? And I mean, what comes through for you 100% of the time in your life? What is 100% loyal, dependable, trustworthy, someone who comes through for you? Who is that? Or what is that? No one. And we wrestle believing God is faithful, that he comes through for us 100% of the time. But there are times that we go, God, you can't be the way because I don't always see it. And we're trying to carry the weight of the world on our shoulders. And in Rockefeller Center in downtown New York City, there is a Mr. Atlas statue. And if you've not seen it, I encourage you to look it up. You know, it's worth a Google. But you could, uh, you know, you could check it out. And, and it's this guy, this big, burly, muscular guy holding up the weight of the world. And then if you walk across the street into St. Patrick's Cathedral, you know what you find in the lobby? You find a little statue of Jesus as a boy with the world in his left hand. And so you have this incredible contrast between someone over here carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders, acting like they are a single act by themselves. And then you've got over here, you've got Jesus holding the world in his hand. That's the faithful God we serve. We don't have to do this thing called life by ourselves. And so if, if our understanding of God can be shaped by experiences, and I think that with the truth filter, we can look through life's experiences and not always say, oh, I get why I went through this. But we know that our, our pain and our suffering has meaning. When we, do, when, we, when we take God and we say, okay, because I'm going sh- to shape my understanding of you by all of our experiences, what we've done without the truth is we take the God of the universe, the God who commands the way, sent his son to the cross, defeated death and give us life and purpose. What we've done is minimized him to nothing more than a human experience in a feeling which are fleeting and change all the time. But through the lens of Jesus, we can experience something incredible. Our pain and our suffering and our life can now have meaning because of the truth. Can, what we go through as humans here on planet Earth 
help us see something greater? Can the picture of our lives, no matter how broken, reveal a God who has never left, even in the darkest times of our lives? Another quote by Tozer says, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. For this reason, the gravest question before the church is always God himself. And the most pretentious fact about any man is not what he at a given time may say or do, but what he, what he in his heart, his deep heart, conceives God to be like. And as we wrap up this series, I want to point us to three truths about God's faithfulness. And if you forget everything we're about to talk about, remember this. God is faithful when we're not. Day in and day out, and people, nothing can hold a candle to the faithfulness of God. No paycheck, no human relationship, no human understanding, knowledge, nothing can hold a candle to God's faithfulness at all. And, 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 and Jeremiah, Jeremiah, and, and Lamentations, the prophet Jeremiah, he, he spends the, the whole first part of a, of a chapter talking about the ruin and destruction of Jerusalem. He, he's talking about utter destruction. He's talking about people's lives that have been torn apart. He's talking about walls being torn down and homes being demolished and marketplaces where people are finding purpose and work demolished, destroyed, gone. And now, in response to all that, he turns to God. And so let's get a picture of God's involvement with a group of people that have lost everything. Because that might be you this morning. You're, you're sitting in a, in a deep place right now, in a dark place. And so Lamentations 3, 1 through 3 says this, I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. Sometimes we feel in those moments, God, where are you? I can't see you. And he goes on to, to, to get into some poetry, but understanding his grief and his pain, he says, he has broken my teeth with gravel. What a picture. He has trampled me in the dust. 17 is clutch, because I think that we can really identify. I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. What does a good week look like? I've had someone ask me, how are you feeling? And I say good, because that's what I always say, but good grief, what does a good week look like? What does prosperity even look like? And so he says, so he, so he says, I say, my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped from the Lord. How could you begin to move on from such pain and such suffering, such heartache? How could you begin to move on? And maybe not pain and suffering, but just questions that you cannot wrap your head around. How can you begin to move on from something that's so hard to wrap your head around? And you're, how, do you, how do you possibly move on? And so I'm, I want to build this contrast, not because I think we need to be sad. But I want to build this contrast because there is no gray matter when it comes to God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness just is that incredible. And so polarizing to our own ability to be faithful. So in response to all this, here's what Jeremiah says in verse 19 through 21 in chapter 3. He says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall, that, that bitter taste. Sometimes it's something we go through, it's almost just like a physical illness. It just tastes yuck in our mouth and it's bitter. And then he says, I well remember them. I remember the pain. Could have been last week, could have been last year. And he says, my soul is downcast within me. And you're going, what could he possibly say to move on? And he says, yet... Yet, there's the, there's the tiny flicker of hope. Yet, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. <clears throat> what does he have hope in? Because at that point of remembering all that destruction and seeing what he had seen and going through all that he had gone through, his turn, he turns simply to the promises of God. And therefore, therefore is only in response to what he says before, right? I call to mind and therefore I have hope. What does he call to mind? The promises of God. Deuteronomy 7.9 says, Know therefore the Lord is your, the, the Lord, your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. When we, when we don't see the track record of God and we can't say, man, this month has just been great. We question God's faithfulness. We question, God, are you involved? All this stuff is going, is happening. How, how are you involved? Or maybe we say things like, God, how could you be faithful? I love what he says. Uh, yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. You know, he's giving a logic to something. He's saying, I have pain, I have suffering, I've seen these horrible, this horrible destruction. How can I, therefore, given all of that, have some type of hope? Because the hope isn't by human means. The hope is a faithful God. And so it's logic in this sense, because now his pain and suffering he's gone through, he still has hope. 
how. So I want to dig into three specific things found in Lamentations and three points I'll make. Uh, But if you turn with me to just scroll down the page or on your phone or check out the screen, Lamentations 3, 22 through 24 says this. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. We're going to pick apart each of these verses. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. We could take each of those verses and spend a month or two. There's so much in there. But the first point I want to make is because God is faithful, his compassions never fail. How does his love for us never fail? His compassion, his concern. The word compassion in here, some of your, vers- your versions might say mercies. But what, what God is referring to in this, and, and what Jeremiah is referring to, is, a, is almost like a parental, like a motherly care for her child. His compassions, his concern, his involvement, it never fails. And we are not consumed because of God's great love. It's, it's just powerful, powerful, powerful. And this, and this reference to love is that said love, that covenant love that only is reference to God's love that he initiated. That covenant love. And so we think about his compassions never failing and we go, how does that apply to our lives? I think Peter gives us a really good example of that. So maybe some of you have heard this story about Peter before, but in Matthew 14, it's on the screen too. So we, we know that Jesus and his disciples, that we know that Peter walking on the water, maybe some have heard that story before, but I want to provide an angle to this story that maybe you've not seen. Matthew 14, says this, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. When it uses the word buffeted, I want you to consider an area that is up against a mountainside, and so the wind is constantly just rocking against the mountainside, which is creating a ton of waves. This is not just a, a little, you know, a breeze in a pool. Like, you're talking, the boat's, it's being, like, bashed back and forth. You know, like almost like a hurricane bashing into the docks before it strikes. It just is. It is intense. And so that's just to build a little bit of the context. And so shortly uh, before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Sometimes I'm reading this, and I'm like, why is Jesus on the lake? And it's like, because he's Jesus. <laughs> he's walking on the lake, right? And, I, and, and so he's walking on the lake, and his disciples see him. They're terrified. It's like, bro, you were just with Jesus. Like, right? You were just with Jesus. Isn't that just even a picture for us? Like, we, we're walking with him, we're growing, and then we have these moments of complete terror and fear. You were, you were, you were like, you felt close, and then you have this human experience, and you go through it. We have fear, and we're terrified. And it says, when the disciples saw him, they were terrified, and they shouted, it's a ghost. <laughs> they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately says to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. So Peter's taking that opportunity to not be afraid and terrified. And he says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. In 31, he says, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said, why did you doubt? It's literally one of the windiest parts of that area. And Peter sees what he thinks is Jesus. He wants to go out to him. Guys, there, there's, and some of you can identify, there's that time in your life where you heard this message of hope and were given the opportunity to say yes to Jesus, to give your life to Jesus, to take that courage, to step out of the boat, to say, I got my past, my, my history, whatever it looks like, and I'm moving forward and saying yes to Jesus and giving my life to him. But then life hits. Circumstances happen. Experiences happen. The job, we lose the job. We don't get the promotion. Whatever the thing is in your life, the relationship falls through the cracks. Or your understanding of God changes because of your life circumstances. And so he walks out on the water and he, ta- and he takes his eyes off Jesus. And that's us. We're walking out and we're saying, Jesus, I've got faith. I'm full of faith. I'm singing my song. You know, I heard on the radio. I heard in church. And, and I'm rocking and rolling. I've got scripture on my heart. I'm feeling great about life. And then we walk and then things hit. The promotion doesn't happen. The bank account hits zero or negative. We've seen that time. And you're going, you, get, you take your eyes off of Jesus and you put your eyes onto human experiences and then you start to sink because it's life. And so you say, well, what if Peter had more faith? Guys, if Peter had more faith, he would have walked another 50 feet and fell. 
If he had greater faith, because sometimes we have those seasons where like our faith is really like we, we are really trusting and things are really good. And we've, we're like, man, I've been on my A game. Like I've been in church. I've been reading. But you're still human, still broken, serving a faithful God who hasn't let you go. But what we do is we walk out and we could be walking way out in the water. I'm trusting, I'm trusting, and then we fall. But what Jesus does here is incredible. As he pulls him up, he says, he tells him what was going on. He's like, you have little faith. But like I said, if he had greater faith, what would happen? He would have walked in there 50 feet and fell. God was not in the business of trying to berate Peter's faith, but trying to display his faithfulness. Because here comes Peter failing like we all do, but what does Jesus do? He pulls him out. He puts him on the boat. And so I think in all this, I can bank on his faithfulness, but I cannot bank on my own fickleness. I can bank on the faithfulness of God, but I cannot bank on my fickleness. 2 Timothy 2.13 says, If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. And so we move on to, to point two, which is because God is faithful, he forgives us daily undeserved forgiveness. He, sh- he just showers on us. And it says, verse 23 in Lamentations 3, it says, They are new every morning, great is your faithfulness. Compassion is new every morning, undeserved forgiveness. This forgiveness that we didn't deserve is given every single day. Even on those really bad days, people. <laughs> His forgiveness. Undeserved, it's still there, forgiven us. And what, what, what Jeremiah is saying here is, and he's responding to what he's seen, but he still turns from the destruction, pain, suffering, heartache, questions to the truth of who God is and saying a very personal statement, great is your faithfulness. You know, when the Jews lost everything, so many of the religions and the gods around them were fickle, And so this is the first time that they're understanding that God is faithful, even in utter destruction. Exodus 34, 6 says this, And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Isn't it amazing that we serve a God that is slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness? Amen. You know what I love here, too, is that the point is that this is where the people finally got it. They finally realized it, right? Why? Because the bottom had fallen out. You know, the, the God that we serve, the God that loves you, even in the bottom out experiences that we go through, isn't going like, well, why didn't you, why didn't you trust me over here? Only when the bottom fell out. He comes after you when the bottom falls out. I've been there. And his compassions, his mercies are new every morning. So what does new in the morning mean? It means this, when the morning comes, every morning ends the night. And so think about them, them, those, those situations you've been through, because we've all been there when the bottom falls out. But here comes the morning, just like the word, the holy word of God says, is his compassions are new, his mercy is new every single day. The morning brings the night, every morning brings a new day, every morning brings new provision for the day, every morning brings new forgiveness for new sins. Every morning brings new strength for new temptations, duties, and trials. And the last, the last point, number three, is because God is faithful, he is enough for me, and I will rest in him. Just like that song, I will rest in your promises. Where does our confidence come from? How great we are, how great our marriage may be for this season, because we know life happens, and your marriage takes a toll, and your relationships are struggling. Your kids are struggling. Things happen. There might be those seasons of what you think might be consistency, but there are times where it bottoms out. And so he says that our rest is in his promises and our confidence is in his faithfulness. And so Lamentations 3.24 says this, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. God is enough. And what it means by portion is it means that there's something that belongs to you. This is, he is my portion, and so he is enough, and he belongs to me, and I belong to him. This God of the universe, this God that is loving, just, faithful, wise, sovereign. I belong to him, he belongs to me. And no one can take that relationship away. So here's just our, the reality of our life right now. Uh, Psalm 73, 26 says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Isn't it amazing that God is not only enough, 
but he's enough forever. And he is mine and I am his forever. He doesn't change. Malachi 3.6 says this. So when you're leaning on God, when you are leaning, when you need to lean on something, you need to depend on something through those times and say, what is faithful in my life? Who's going to come through for me? Isn't it amazing we can lean on a God knowing this word says, I, the Lord, do not change. Amen. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. And so Hebrews 13, 8 says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The God we serve, the Jesus example that we follow after today, yesterday, today, and forever. And here's the key. Jeremiah says, God, you're not just enough. You are mine. And guess what? I'm going to wait. Why would you possibly consider waiting? Because you trust, because you know. And I love the logic he says, because therefore is only in response to what he said before. He said, that the Lord is my portion, he is mine, therefore because he is mine and I am his, I'll wait. That personal relationship we have with God. So how do we even begin to respond to God's faithfulness this morning? Put your past behind you. You take all your junk and you throw it on a table and you're like, hey God, here's my stuff. Here's my baggage. And I'm talking like unloaded, like don't just set it on the table, like open it up, dump it all out on there, get it all out. And it says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So if we confess our sins, what? He is faithful and just and will forgive us. And then it says, bring your present stuff, bring your present problems, pains, your mess ups. And then Matthew 11 says this, because sometimes when we're coming to Jesus, we've hit that rock bottom and we're falling in the arms of the Lord and just saying, I've got nothing. And here's what Jesus says. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's not not saying, come to me because I've got a whole list of rules you've got to follow. He's saying, bring me your stuff. I'm going to give you life. And I'm not just going to save you from your past. But I'm going to give you a life in a future forever. And there's a promise that follows that. And so my encouragement to you is the last thing is to put your hope in the, for the future in the one who will never let you down. And this is what uh, the Lord says in Jeremiah 17, 5, 3. He says, this is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. You won't even recognize it. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. It has no worries in a year of drought. Why? Because its source is in the faithful God of the universe. And bearing fruit isn't even human like successes and accomplishments or achievements. It's fruit that only comes from knowing the Lord. And so no matter what characteristic you look at, God's good, he is just, he is love, he is wise, he is sovereign, he is faithful. Those are characteristics are always at work. And the faithful God that loves us and is pursuing us is never just loving. He is loving, he is just, he is good, he is wise, he is sovereign, he is faithful at all times. And so God's integrity here says in Isaiah 6, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And as we end, I want to just read a quote and then a a passage. All of God's acts are consistent with all of his attributes. No no attribute, uh, attribute contradicts any other, but all harmonize and blend into each other in the infinite abyss of the Godhead. He is at once faithful and immutable. He is unchanging. Guys, listen, so all his words and acts must be and must remain faithful. Hebrews 10.23 says this, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold to that hope that is unswerving. Because why? He who promised is faithful. And so my encouragement to you is when you look at those pictures of your family, when you consider your own life even just now, create a picture in your head 
just as much as I could not, every time we had a child and knowing all the pain we've been through, I can't not look at our family's pictures and not see the faithfulness of God because I'm a father, I am a son, I am a husband, I am, I am, a, I am a friend, I'm a pastor and probably a lot of the things that I'm not even aware of to other people and I can't keep it all together. I know that. But I can rest in God's promises because my faith, my confidence is not coming from anything else but from God's faithfulness. And so would you stand as we respond to God's faithfulness this morning? of God, I just want to just share that, God, you are amazing, and you are faithful day in and day out, God, when we are, you are faithful when we are not, and so I know there are people here who are struggling, and God, we just know that you're asking us to just fall at your feet, even if it's just the, the rational, the logical, we're struggling through the process, or how we can possibly understand that you're faithful, and we we know that you get that, God. You get that we're human. You get that we come up with our thoughts and we wrestle with things in our heart. And I just thank you that you're meeting us right where we're at. God, would you speak to us now in the only way that you can through your Holy Spirit? Would you move in this place? And I pray that if there's anyone here who's who's just wanting to come to you t- this morning, just to say yes to you. And if there's anyone here that, who's wanting to say yes to Jesus this morning, to give your life to, to the faithful God, to find rest in confidence, in promises, and in faithfulness that does not change, that will only be found in God. And so if that's you, you can just pray something simple. And this is just in your heart between you and God. And it just goes so simple as, Jesus, I thank you for paying for the penalty of sin that is mine on the cross. The finished work that you executed on the cross is done, paid for, signed, sealed, and delivered. Jesus, I believe in you. I give my life to follow you. I give my life now and forevermore. And I trust in your promises. And I want to find rest in your promises. And I want my confidence to only be found in Jesus Christ because you are the only faithful one. God, we love you. And if there's anyone here that just prayed that prayer, we know that you're just, you're smiling and you're celebrating. And so God, just even in the stillness of our hearts as, a, as, a, as one body, I pray that we would just thank you just in the stillness and the quiet. And we would just respond for something so simply as great is your faithfulness, O oh Lord, our God. 
We love you, Jesus. Amen. Would you respond with this well-known song? Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy head hath provided. See?